right, all right, all right, all right. Day 248. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see our sales. All right. So today we're in the book of Luke. Today is the first day of the book of Luke. And um, man, there's so much to say. <laughs> uh, you know, Luke, uh, for those who don't know, like Luke is the longest book in the New Testament. Right. And basically Luke uh, writes two documents in our New Testament. And check it out. Luke has more writings than anybody in the New Testament, even more than Paul, fam. So Luke and Acts are this part one and part two of of um, the narrative of the life of Jesus. It is a carefully researched and organized historical account that focuses on the life and ministry of the Messiah. And um, it's interesting because Luke is the only author uh, that scholars say uh, of the New Testament is actually a Gentile, right? So, so he is not a Jew, but he is writing uh, for the people of God. And his whole point about the life of Jesus, um, he's going to try to show that Jesus is the savior king that comes for the whole world to unite Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles are actually in the plan and purpose of God. It's not just about Jews, but also he wants to show that the gospel is for the poor, right? He wants to show that the gospel is actually for the poor. And, and, and again, it, Luke, uh, is very, very careful in the way he tells and crafts the narrative of the story of the Messiah and of Jesus. And we started here because he gives actually a birth account, um, just like Matthew does. And so again, we're in our modified chronological plan. And one of the things that Luke does is Luke's gospel and the book of Acts. So Acts is part two, right? Um, they, they center around the city of Jerusalem, right? So in the entire book of Luke, Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem, right? And uh, in Acts, the, the, the book of Acts is going to flow outward from Jerusalem. And so Luke is, is very um, educated. He's a historian. He's a physician. This is why when he talks about his miracles, he'll be very uh, um, uh, lofty in his language and very specific about the ailments and conditions that Jesus healed people from. And... You'll see, I'll point out as we go, that his um, gospel, because he's a historian, has so many chronological markers, right? And so um, you see just the humanness, uh, I love it, of, of the Bible in the way he frames the story of Jesus. He wasn't an, an eyewitness account. He wasn't one of the original 12, but his story and his narrative and his gospel is based on eyewitness accounts. All right, so that's just background. Really quick, uh, these are some themes. Listen, any if you're anywhere in the book of Luke and you remember these P's, you'll understand what you're reading, right? So the things that Luke is at pains to show is one, Jesus is this prophet. He is this great prophet that was supposed to come in the last times. Now he is the Messiah. He is the King from the line of David, but Luke is especially wants to show Jesus's prophetic office. Now, in line with that, Jesus gives more parables in Luke than in any other gospel. Now, that is a function of his prophetic office, right? So prophets in the Old Testament would give parables to declare judgment on the people of God or to instruct the people of God and how to live uh, before God, right? So prophet par uh, parables, but also possessions. Possessions is a huge theme in Luke and Acts. And Luke is so concerned with the poor, that's the other P, that he wants to say like, hey, one of the marks of the people of God is how 
how they use their possessions, right? You you know the people of God, but not not just by how they use their Bible, but how they use what's in their bank. We've said that before. And then lastly, is plan plan. Uh, Luke is a big picture thinker, right? He is he is unfolding the plan of God, the 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 in fancy terms the the redemptive historical nature of this thing, right? Like redemptive history has been moving towards the coming of the Messiah, and it'll go out from the 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 coming of the Messiah and his work that is accomplished. So let me just get into to Luke chapter one. We are already about five minutes in <laughs> Luke chapter one. First thing we get uh, from the prologue at the very beginning of the book is that Jesus has fulfilled the covenant promises, right? God has made promises and he's been faithful to everyone. And we know he's been faithful because Christ comes to earth. This was promised and prophesied all throughout the old Testament. And in, in chapter one, we get this angel, angel Gabriel. He comes to a man named Zachariah and to Elizabeth, who are both priests from the Levitical line, blameless, who are blameless and they're barren. And he tells them that they're going to have a baby boy. I ain't trying to alliterate. It just all came out that way. <laughs> uh, they, they, he tells them they're going to have a baby boy and his name going to be John. And then he goes after that and he goes to Mary, who's a virgin. And he says, yo, you're going to have a boy and his name is going to be Jesus. And he'll be reigning over uh, uh, the David's house and his kingdom will have no end. And one of the things that the early chapters are going to do, they're going to parallel the birth and early life of both John and Jesus. Right. They're going to be uh, laid side by side to show you that, yes, uh, uh, John is the Elijah who was to come, but he was going to prepare the way of the Lord. Right. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord, the, the the Messiah who's going to come and take David's throne and who will establish God's kingdom on earth. And another thing um, that 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 Luke is at pains to show is the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. So Luke in chapter one is going to go in about, hey, Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And uh, at the end of the day, he is the one who will bring forth the eternal son of God. It's interesting, too, because, again, remember I said Luke is so concerned with the poor. Right. And in um, in um, in, in Luke's gospel and in the first century, poor, listen, poor was not just an economic economic term. Now, it was that, but it was actually more than that. In other words, the way Luke uses the 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 concept of the poor uh, includes more people than that. Right. It includes those who are destitute in general. Right. It, it includes those on the margin of society. So even women in this day were second class citizens. And Luke is showing uh, uh, he's at pains to show <laughs> uh, the, the the way the kingdom is made up of the poor. Right. Those on the margins of society. Listen, the people that everybody else forget about is the fact is, is the folks that Jesus actually remembers. Right. And so this is why at the beginning of his gospel, he will show uh, two women. Right. Like who are uh, model disciples. Right. Who give praise to God, who 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 without if we didn't have them, the plan and purposes of God couldn't come can come forth on earth. Right. And and it's interesting because they have these these two songs and you just see all this rich theology in in uh mary's uh praise and then zachariah not uh, uh not his wife elizabeth but in, in in mary's praise and zachariah's praise these two songs showing that god uh has been faithful uh to all of his promises and he has extended mercy he's been merciful to his people even when they have done nothing to deserve it and that's the reason for us to praise today because god has been merciful he has remembered his covenant he has uh, uh kept every single promise he's made and he has not faltered on any one chapter two comes 
uh, and we get a glimpse of the first Christmas story. Now, notice at the beginning, it says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. Notice the chronological marker at the beginning of this chapter. Basically, Jesus is uh, uh, about to come into the world. The whole family goes up from Galilee to Bethlehem of Judea uh, for the registry uh, for the census. And an angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds, right, and proclaims, Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord, right? And you just see once again how God's plan is being fulfilled. Not It is not coming to those who are in power. It is not coming to those who are in high places. It is not coming to the authorities of the day. It is coming to uh, women who were destitute and to shepherds, right? Lowly shepherds who are out uh, tending to the sheep, right? And Jesus comes to the world, right? as a king this text tells us but not just as a king as a savior king right and it's interesting too because again it's going to show that not just the messiah is coming not just a savior not just this righteous man but god himself right comes and identifies with the lowliest among us and mary in her song in 147 says that um uh, of the promises she's received because she's going to receive a son. She says she rejoices in God, her savior. And in chapter two, it comes and says that Jesus has been born and he's the savior, right? He is not just the Messiah. He is a uh, God, right? Who has come to rescue and liberate his people, right? And the end of the chapter, I love it too, because running, running a long time, but um, at the end of the chapter is dope too, because Jesus comes and he has to go to uh, uh, be dedicated to the Lord, right, at the temple. And it's significant because his family has to sacrifice. Instead of having lambs, they sacrifice two turtle doves, right, and the pigeons, right? And this is important because if the family wasn't able to afford lambs, they had to use animals that were of less value, right? They were uh, permitted to use uh, animals of less value. And this just shows that Jesus's family was poor, fam. So in other words, um, in the Old Testament, again, the presentation offering, when you, when you dedicated children at the temple, right, you were to sacrifice unblemished lambs. But if you didn't have it, you were able to sacrifice turtle doves instead. And the, and the beauty of this is this, the glorious savior of the universe, identifies with the plight of those on the margins so much that the God of the universe came to become one of those people as well. And so the beauty, the thing, the thing that strikes me about Christianity is that God knows what it's like, right? If you are someone who has been suffering, if you are someone who's on the margin, if you are an outcast, if you don't fit in, Jesus understands what it's like to be you. Right. He understands what it's like to be you and he's come to liberate and save you. Chapter three comes and we have John, the son of Zechariah, John the Baptist. He comes ministry. You know, he's preaching baptism or repentance. You know what I'm saying? Hold nine. Right. Isaiah 40, all the text. Right. And he's talking about, you know, the coming of Jesus. And uh, he's baptizing folks. He's following. He's following in line of all of the Old Testament prophets. And he's like, yo, come get baptized the way of the Lord. Prepare yourself for the way of the Lord. The Lord is coming. Jesus is coming. And the crowds is like, yo, after we get baptized, like, what should we do? <laughs> that was interesting. He he takes them through the ritual 
of baptism that symbolized repentance. And then guess what he asked for? He asked for real repentance. <laughs> so the crowds are asking, like, what should we do? And he says, no, no, no. The one with two shirts, share with someone who has none. Tax collectors? No, no, no. Like, stop skimming some off the top, right? Like, just only keep what you've been authorized, right? Soldiers, right? Don't take money from anyone or by force, right? Or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. In other words, he says, no, no, no. Like, when, when, when Jesus comes into your life and you come and you give your heart to the Lord and you repent, listen, God just wants ordinary things from you, right? He, he doesn't, he doesn't want you to do these, these, these monstrous, grandiose tasks. He wants you to just be generous, right? Like he wants you to be uh, generous to, with what you have and give to those who don't, right? And you see, once again, Luke is going to be heavy on the social, uh, aspect or facet or face of the gospel and how the gospel leads us to care about those around us all right and so the end of chapter three my man luke is going to give another genealogy historian par excellence you feel me and his genealogy unlike matthews is not going to go back to abraham it's going to go back to adam why because jesus did not just come for israel he came for the whole world he came for everybody who was ever born not just those who were born of a specific genealogical descent chapter four comes though and we have the temptation of satan now mind you it says that adam uh was the son of god and 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 what happens in chapter four satan comes and tempts jesus about whether he is the son of God. Now we know from the baptism that he's been declared the son of God. And we know that he is uh, like Adam in that he is God's son. And unlike Adam, though, he goes into a wilderness and defeats and surpasses the temptation of Satan in a desert, like we said before, when Adam failed to do it in a garden, right? And so uh, what the original man failed to do, the last man, the last Adam uh, succeeded in doing, right? And so uh, Jesus passes the temptation of satan there and then he goes after that he returns to galilee in the power of the spirit so he's still full of that spirit you feel me um and what he does is he goes to nazareth and he goes where he was you know brought up back in his own hood you feel me and what he does is he he picks up a scroll and he reads 418 through 19 he, he says this he says the spirit of the lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and, and, recover and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love what the next verse says. Don't miss this verse 20. He says, he then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. Basically, it was a mic drop. So he he, he basically got on stage, <laughs> uh, read the text and said, no, no, this is about me and dropped the mic. Now, it's interesting because what these these two verses are a summation of Jesus's ministry, right? You want to sum Jesus's ministry up in a long tweet. This is it, right? <laughs> this is it. He is the one who is um who is anointed with the spirit of God who has come for the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. Remember, those are themes in Luke. And he is fulfilling Isaiah 61, Leviticus 25, right? And this is the year of Jubilee. Remember Leviticus chapter 25, the year of Jubilee was every seventh year when all debts were canceled and all slaves were released, right? The poor, 
that Jesus is bringing the good news to is anyone who because of the various socio-religious uh, and historical reasons were relegated to be outside of the people of God and Jesus is saying no 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 no, no. like I'm providing freedom I'm, provi I'm providing real and true liberation he's saying the, the scriptures were prophesying for this day to come and it has come right and he's saying I am freeing the captives I love it because listen we talk a ton in our culture about what it means to be free. And we talk a ton about liberation. And I think we need to talk deeply and, and think deeply and talk a lot about those things. But Jesus is showing that I'm the one that only could bring literal and spiritual liberation. Listen, you want to be free. I want to leave you all with this. Freedom can't be found outside of the liberating light love and work of God's Messiah, Jesus. To free the captives is the very thing Jesus came to do. Let's pray. God, we ask that we will remember why Jesus came and what his ministry was about. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to participate in the work he's doing in the world. I pray that you would empower us with his spirit, just like you empowered him with the Holy Spirit as well. God, we pray that we would